I've learned that when you are truly purpose driven, that over time, you are going to become the best option for people to use. And with that comes tremendous satisfaction. I feel like the great entrepreneurs, they always see the opportunity. I mean, even what you're doing with Sidekick now, you're like in the trenches of building what you're building, but you're kind of always looking at what's out there. I think the really good ones, the ones that are great, see that opportunity and can't stop thinking about yeah, it. Have right. to yes. have to spend their time trying to do it better, right? And so I've got a goal that when I die, I hope my kids stand up and they're given my eulogy and say, dad wanted to help more people buy a franchise than anybody in history, and he did it. Okay, so today we have an amazing visionary leader on the podcast, Ryan Zink. Ryan is through and through franchise expert and entrepreneur. He has over 20 years of experience in the franchise world, both as a franchisee, franchisor, handling franchise sales, and now on the consultant side. His most recent successes are being the founder of Franchise Fastlane, and most recently, he's the CEO and founder of Franchise Sidekick. Uh, it seems like everything Ryan has his hands on has worked in the franchise space. I'm sure that's not true. You probably have had some failures along the way, um, but I'm excited to have you on. Thanks for being on the show. I'm excited too. I appreciate the invite. Should be fun. Yep. Yep. Okay. So let's dig in. Obviously, we'll get into the businesses you run now and you know, kind of your story, but walk me through. Where did you grow up? What was your story? And then, and then obviously, we'll get into how you started your first business. Yeah, thanks for asking. I'll try to make it as quick as I can. You know, I grew up here in Omaha, Nebraska, two hardworking parents, only child, uh, and didn't didn't know how to spell entrepreneur. Never talked about business ownership when I was a kid. I'm not one of those kids that sold baseball cards or bubble gum to my friends, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't understand how it worked. But out of college, got a degree in journalism, believe it or not, and uh, had just met a girl and decided I didn't want to move away to be on the radio somewhere. So my best friend was working at a franchise GNC store. He invited me to come work with him. And I was super lucky. You know, it's kind of the who, not the what. I got introduced to that franchisee who was super entrepreneurial. I had some success in the store. He asked me to take on more of a leadership position. And then he just mentored me. Mm-hmm. So we grew a few GNC locations into 15. He would go out and buy underperforming GNC stores. We'd apply a new model to it. I acted as the head of operations for all of those. And those 15 locations, five of them were the top five producing GNCs in the country. Wow. Focused on the customer, focused on, you know, um, exclusive products, things like that. And I really got the entrepreneurial bug back then, man. Mm-hmm. It was hard, right? Because I loved the guy that I worked for. I loved my coworkers. I was making great money as a young guy. I was learning business. But because these people were mentoring me the whole time, I got to see what it was like for them. Because we, we also then started to sell some of our products to GNC franchisees around the country, right? Mm-hmm. And so I would travel around the country. I would work in these franchisees' locations. We would have some of the best days they ever had. And again, I loved it. I was learning a lot. But there was this one day, I call it like my burning the boats moment, right? There was this one day I was down in Houston, had a great day. Um, and at the end of the day, oh, I didn't see the owner the whole time. End of the day, the owner calls into the manager, says, how did it go? He told the owner how it went, best day they had ever had. And the owner was like, cool, great, keep it up. Never asked to speak to me, never came in. And I'm like, man, I can't believe this. Like this guy had an opportunity for us who ran the best GNCs in the country to come down. I, I spent my time flying down there, spending the night, spending time with his team, everything else. And he just called in at the end of the day and said, nice work, right? And I'm like, wow. you know, and this guy had eight, he had eight locations. And yeah. I'm like, I know I'm young, but I know I have what it takes to go and run a GNC store. I've been doing it for a long time for other people. Yeah. So I actually, I applied to GNC and they denied me, right? You know this, you have to financially qualify and, and have yep. the right experience. And they looked at me at the time, I think I was 24 years old and they said, you're not qualified. But I was like, you know what? Forget it. I had that burn in the boats moment. And so then I applied with Anytime Fitness and lucky for me, they approved me. Wow. The hardest, hardest decision I ever made, but I left this job and these people that I loved to go open my own Anytime Fitness. Now, probably like you, when you first uh, opened Anchored or or any other business you've been involved in, those first period, that first time of being my own business guy, man, it was Mm -hmm. my favorite. I mentioned being cold here in Omaha. I was running pre-sales out of a a construction trailer in front of the building that was being built that was going to be my future gym, right? It was freezing cold, doors wouldn't close, windows wouldn't close. I had one little space heater running, but I absolutely loved it because mm-hmm. I was now making money for myself. Yes. Well, as fate would have it, my previous boss and mentor, he calls me up and says, hey, you know, we don't think the place is the same without you. Would you come back? I said, mm. I can't. I, I want to be a business owner. And he said, well, that's what I mean. Will you come back and be my partner? And I said, all right, now we're talking. Yeah. So it's funny because now I have an opportunity to become a partner in this supplement company that we had, but it forced me into something that I didn't expect, which was semi-absentee ownership of yeah. the three Anytime Fitnesses that I just purchased, right? Yeah. 
And so I had to find an operating partner, a guy that I had worked with previously. He came in to start to run the gyms. I partnered with, uh, with my, my boss and then current partner on the supplement company. We grew it, we sold it. And then we eventually flipped that and turned it into our own nutrition franchise concept that we founded in 2005 called Complete Nutrition. Wow. So, wow. It, you know, be, because we were coming off the tail end of this great success story inside of GNC and with NDS, the supplement company, the, the, the organic growth of Complete Nutrition was off the charts. You know, yes. I mean, in a very short amount of time, we had awarded over 200 locations. Wow. And I just spent the next 10 years getting all of those open, getting them open, getting them operated. We opened uh, right around 200 locations. We had system-wide sales, I think, around 130 million. Mm -hmm. And in 2015, we were approached by a private equity group to become our partner, and, and we decided to move forward with it. So we sold the majority of Complete to Dominus in 2015. Wow. Okay. So, so when you first started the anytime fitnesses, a lot of people are like, Oh my gosh, how did you do that? Did you just do an SBA loan or did you find a capital partner? It was an SBA. And SBA. I, again, I was, I was lucky because I knew the banker um, and I had been making good money, but mm -hmm. man, I go, I still have the, I still have the letter. I should send it to you sometime. It, the mm -hmm. interest rate was outrageous. I mean, the amount of money I had to put down, I think I borrowed $225,000. Um, but yeah. I, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm so thankful. Yeah. Um, it, it was a funny story how, uh, how it all turned out, but I was so thankful that a bank was willing to take a chance on me. That's incredible. Okay. So, so you were semi absentee and then at the same time, so you, it was GNC to start. And then how long did you take to pivot to complete nutrition? Yeah. So let's see, I graduated in Oh two and we had opened our first complete nutrition stores in Oh five. So I spent three years inside a GNC okay. buying underperforming GNCs and helping with the, the supplement company. Yep. Okay. What made you want to pivot from the GNC name? Just felt like you could do it on your own. Yeah. You know, and again, I was again, fortunate to have a, a business partner that was super entrepreneurial. Like he's so entrepreneurial. He, he's not fit to be a franchisee, right? He has so many ideas on his own and it worked. Yeah. I mean, we were running the top five performing GNCs in the country. Yeah. And it was a different model. Back then, GNC's model was $30 average transaction, lots of people coming in, almost like a grocery store feel, if you would, yeah. where our average transaction was 80 to 100 bucks. So it was uh, much more consultative, much slower, much more uh, training that was involved. And we wanted to go execute that model, which there was a hole in the marketplace at the time because everything was GNC, vitamin shop, or grocery store. Yeah. Right? And we came in and really added kind of a consultative, a consultative piece to supplements. Got it. Got it. Okay. So you had a partner and then when did, uh, cause Carrie Gilly was involved, right? On the complete nutrition. Did you hire her as an employee or how did that relationship form? Yeah. Great question. So her husband was our COO. Okay. Um, you know, as we were growing, he came in to lead the, the training team, the ops team and all of that. And I remember we were looking for somebody to lead development because it was just organically happening. We couldn't keep up. And he walks into my office and he's like, I got the perfect person. I'm like, oh, this is going to be easy. Great. Cause I, I really trusted him. Yeah. And he's like my wife. <laughs> and I was like, I've never, I was like, I've never met your wife, but there's no way we're hiring her. Right. I mean, yeah. who's she going to report to you? And he's, he, he laughed. He's like, yeah, until we get home, then I'll report to her. Um, <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And anyway, so, yeah. uh, so we interview her and right after the interview, I went to, his name was Chris. I went to him and I'm like, dude, we're going to hire your wife. I mean, mm -hmm. she was just fantastic. I knew she'd be a great fit, even though. She hadn't done franchise dev before. They had been franchisees, um, came in and absolutely crushed it. You know, like I said, awarded over 200 locations in a short amount of time. Yeah. Uh, but then th we decided to pause development. Like we okay. said, you know, we got to get a lot of this foundation built before we can keep adding on. So mm -hmm. when we paused, I went to her and I said, look, I, I'm sorry, but uh, there's no more development job available. We'd love to move you to another department because you're a great leader. And she had just made a ton of money, right? And she's like, yeah, I, I don't want to go from... What, what this had been to go into run your marketing department. So she said, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just going to go do my own thing for a while. So I lost touch for a long time. Oh, okay. And then, uh, yeah, eventually I, you know, I can tell you how Fastlane was created, but eventually uh, got fortunate enough to get reconnected and, and start Fastlane. Yeah. Okay. So Fastlane complete nutrition. Go. So how long did you run complete nutrition? Uh, 10 years, 2005 to 2015. Yeah. Okay. I mean, and man, you, you know what it's like being a franchisor and I was a young franchisor, yeah. right? I was 25 years old when we founded it. So it was the, it was one of the most rewarding and most challenging things I've ever done in my life. Yeah. Yeah. What were some of the moments that were super challenging? Was there moments like you didn't know if you're going to make it through or what were some of the hard times? You know, I knew we'd always make it through, but the, the most challenging thing that we went through was the transition of how people shopped. 
Yeah. Right. So we went, but when, when we founded it in 2005, very little online sales were happening, right? Mm -hmm. People wanted to walk in. They were used to that. There was no Amazons. There was no bodybuilding.coms of the world. And that totally shifted by time 2015 rolled around. Mm -hmm. So we went from a model where people were used to customers coming in because they had to, in order to get products to now our largest competitor was both food, drug, and mass who had moved aggressively into the category and mm -hmm. Amazon bodybuilding.com. Yep. So we were no longer the convenient option. We really had to lean into the advisory side because also when you buy something in a store, it's usually going to cost a little more than if you go to sure. it online. We, ha we had to figure out a way to justify all that. So that was by far the shift in the business model because not only was it our responsibility to shift with it, we had to then go educate every franchisee and say, hey, look, the world has changed and we need to change with it. Yeah. So that was that was very difficult. Did you did you try to do some online or did you just say, hey, this is what we do and we're going to go all in on what we do? Yeah, like all things, it, it took us a while to adopt what finally worked, right? I mean, I'm a crawl, walk, run guy, so we tested a lot of things. And the mistake we made is we were always trying to, or in the beginning, we were trying to figure out a way to kind of cover corporate costs or keep corporate profits involved in that. And we finally realized if online is going to work, we had to make sure franchisees felt like selling something online felt exactly the same as selling it in a store. Mm -hmm. Right. And if they were going to make less money selling it online, what does a local franchisee say? Hey, just come on back in and buy it. But mm -hmm. that was counterintuitive because even though the client or the customer would sit in front of them and say, you bet I will. Yeah. The reality was they got busy at home and they wanted to buy it online. So we tested several iterations. Finally, the one that worked was when we said, you know what? We don't need any piece of that. We're going to make this a loss leader. We're going to carry the cost. We're going to give all of it back to the franchisee. And then we started to see real significant growth because we would geofence around their stores and give them 100% of the profits that were made and franchisees finally got behind it. Wow, wow, okay, what made you make that choice? So you didn't even collect any royalties on those sales? So we would collect our product cost and our royalty. But prior to that, we were like, look, we've got distribution, we've got shipping, we've got all these things. And we just said, hey, we're going to eat we're going to eat this and we're going to give franchisees the same financial metrics that they would have if they sold that product in the store. Wow, okay, so there probably wasn't a lot of profit attached to that then, huh? You know, the, the good news about supplements is that it's naturally kind of a large profit industry. So we still made some money. And of course, we would make the royalties. So we'd still have the product cost. We'd still have the royalties. So we yeah. felt fine with it because it was still very similar to selling a product in the store. And we now knew that we were changing with the world and, and what our customers wanted. That's right. That's right. Okay. So 2015, you exit, you sold majority share, obviously. Yep. Were you still involved for a little while or did you step down? Yeah, no, I, I was still involved. So they came in and said, "Look, you know, you're young. You've done a great job. We think new leadership is the right uh, is the right move." And I was I was fine with it. Like I wanted to understand what new leader would come in and how I could learn from him or her. Mm -hmm. So. We sold the majority, we brought in a new leader, and he was great, loved him. Um, you know, the challenge for me was I didn't have as much influence anymore, and there was a couple of things that were decided, like they actually changed the attribution model of the online that we had just talked about. Mm. They had changed the model of a, of a recurring revenue program, kind of a loyalty program that we had created that, that um, I didn't love. But again, I was okay with it because I wanted to understand it. But what, what, what the real uh, blessing to me was is they asked me to become the president and mm. lead franchise development. Okay. Right. And so at the time of the transaction, we had a full blown franchise development team and quite honestly, not getting the results that we wanted to see. And so I came yeah. in and, you know, we had to make a change from, of the whole team and decide, decided to go another route. We, and this is when I learned about outsourcing franchise development. Mm -hmm. And so we brought in a group to, to outsource our development. And I saw the inner workings of this organization. They were the largest FSO at the time. They were having a lot of success. And at the same time that I was having less influence and just feeling less impactful at Complete, I was also watching this business model over mm -hmm. here on the side saying, yeah. wow, that's, that's pretty interesting. And fortunately for me, my development director from that group uh, that would fly in every month for our uh, discovery days, he and I hit it off really well. I mean, yeah. we became, he's, he's still one of my best friends. Um, and he was just explaining to me kind of the way that these things work. And honestly, a little bit uh, uh, aspirational for him. He was thinking, you know, maybe someday I would want to do this. So we mm -hmm. got to chat and about what would something like that look like, Yeah. right? And at the, same, at the same time, I didn't know if I wanted to stay inside a franchising or go another route. Yep. And I, I remember I sat down with a buddy of mine in my EO group, Entrepreneur Organization. Yep. Yep. And I laid out all these different business ideas and he was like, you know, Ryan, full, full time out right now. He's like, man, first off, you need to slow down because you just went through this thing less than a year ago, let it digest. But he goes, second off and more important, because if you want to dive back in, do it with an industry that you know, people that mm -hmm. you know, and just pick something that you feel you can do better than what's already out there. That's and it was, the best it was the best advice I ever got. Otherwise, I'd be, I thought I could have started some tech company and I don't know yeah. anything about it, right? <laughs> that's right, that's right.
And that's when it totally yeah. that's when it totally materialized for me is I think there's a better opportunity or, or an opportunity to do it differently in the franchise sales organization space. Yes. So so me and him got to talking about it and decided that we were going to start this franchise sales organization. And it was going to be based on three things, um, you know, because up up until this point, I felt franchise sales was very much rela- it still is relational, but it was yeah. all relational back then. Right. Like, yes. Take, take on any brand, leverage the relationships, and go. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's fine. It's working for them. But what if we established it a little bit differently? What if we did, we had a really solid um, uh, criteria and, and a really solid process to mm-hmm. understand if a brand meets the criteria to make it through that growth? Yeah. I mean, even still today, Fastlane says no to about 95% mm-hmm. of brands that knock on their door for that particular lane, the fast lane. They have that's other right. things they do for other. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, sec- the second was, there was no technology really involved back then. It was very mm-hmm. much, you know, handshakes and phone calls. We wanted to layer it on top of tech because we all know in franchise development, you want to speak to the person that's interested as quickly as possible. You need to stay in front of them often and you need to educate them on what that opportunity truly looks like. And technology, in my opinion, was the only way to really do that. And then third, and I think probably uh, maybe the most important I'm a huge believer in being a rifle, not a shotgun, meaning try to focus on one thing and become the best in the world That's at right. it. But yes. it's not just true for us as, or, as an organization. It also has to be true for our people. Mm-hmm. You know, and so up until that point, these groups were saying, hey, Mr. or Mrs. Developer, we want you to run this lead front to back all the way from the time that you need to qualify them to the day that they sign the dotted line. And that's too much to yep. do. It's too much to organize. So we came in and said, we're going to have people that find interested parties and then other people that qualify them and intake them, other people that educate them, and then other people who help them over the finish line and kind of mm, close the deal, if you that's will. That's good, yeah. And what, and what we found out is when you have specialty inside of your process, they become the best in the world at it. You just have to be really good at the handoffs. Mm. So anyway, yeah. um, but, but before I get into what turned into Fastlane, let me, let me back, backtrack. So um, the guy that uh, I was going to start it with, he went back to his current FSO and said, look, I'm going to do this. And they made him an offer that was too good to pass up. Okay. So he, he comes back and he's like, you know what? Just not the right time. And it was really fortunate because Carrie had just reached out to me. She was going through a transition as well and said, hey, can we grab a cup of coffee? Went and got a cup of coffee. She had said how she wanted to get back into franchise development. And I said, man, this is a great time because here's something on my mind. What do you think wow. about coming in and you know leading sales and being the co-founder? And she said, let's go. Wow. And so, wow. you know, Fastlane was created and three years later, based on, you know, uh, hopefully good uh, visionary leadership from me, great operational mm-hmm. leadership from her. And then these three fundamentals of the business, uh, yeah. we turned it into the largest uh, FSO in the country. That's incredible. I always talk about, I feel like the great entrepreneurs, they always see the opportunity. I mean, even what you're doing with Sidekick now, you're like in the trenches of building what you're building, but you're kind of always looking at what's out there, right? And I right. think even with the fast lane thing is you saw it and some people would just brush it off, right? But I think great entrepreneurs are like, I think I could do that better. And then they start looking into it and then they take action quickly. So talk to me about that. So obviously this was 2018. You met with Carrie. Did you guys go into it 50, 50 or, I mean, I don't know if that's disclosed or not. Uh, no, no, it wasn't 50, 50, but, okay. uh, but it was yeah. meaningful for, for, for everybody. Yep. For everybody. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Okay. And then, so, so she, you spearheaded kind of the visionary leadership and then she spearheaded the whole development side. Was your yep. guys' plan early on similar to what it is now? It was just brokers, consultants, um, to grow and get leads. It's so funny you say that. So let's fast forward a little bit. You know, yeah. first off, you said uh, good entrepreneurs, they see an opportunity and they're always looking for them. I yeah. think the really good ones, the ones that are great, see that opportunity and can't stop thinking about yeah, it. That's have right. to yes. have to spend their time trying to do it better, right? And mm-hmm. that's really what we were doing at Fastlane and also what led into Sidekick. So um, we were we were having a ton of success at Fastlane. Uh, I loved that business, man. I mean, we could we were helping people become entrepreneurs, which is the passion of my life. Yes. Um, we were, we were making money, which scoreboards always been something that's important to me. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't in the day to day, you know, when complete nutrition, I, I said that, uh, you know, when I did that, I was young, it was for profits. Um, uh, fast lane, it was to prove that I could be the visionary leader because I was yes. the implementer at complete at fast lane. I wanted to prove I could be the visionary mm. and now sidekick is 100% about purpose and, and fast lane very much was purpose driven, but sidekick is a hundred percent purpose. And here's what I mean. So Fastlane was was rolling. We were we were doing great, but like you had mentioned, almost all of our leads were coming through broker groups, and we yes. recognized we had enough brands under our umbrella now that sometimes people just knocked on our door and said, "I'm interested in franchising. What do I do?" Yeah, and we're like, "We have enough brands. Let's start introducing all of these brands." So mm. uh, because Carrie was running the day to day, I spent just a little bit of my time on this idea of let's go start 
finding these people through marketing and then taking them through a process. And I was totally transparent with everybody that we worked with. Like we were going to start acting as a little bit of a mini kind of, you know, broker, but just for our own brands. That's it. And we didn't spend a lot of time on it, but enough to see that there's some potential there. But again, you know, we didn't want to really take our eye off the ball, which was Mm -hmm. leads that were coming in from the referral groups, the the broker groups. Yes. Um, But, you know, you fast forward uh, a few years and uh, we got the typical knock on our door, uh, you know, from the investment bankers that said, have you ever considered, you know, bringing on a partner? And and the reason I was even having these conversations was because we had a lot of success with brands that we had represented growing quickly and going through private equity exits themselves. I mean, I think just in an 18 month period, I think we had like six of our brands go through a private equity exit. And so I'm talking, yeah, I was talking to these investment bankers, like, tell me what's attractive about these brands. We want to do this over and over again for our clients. So I want to fully understand why these are being acquired and what we can do to repeat it. Mm-hmm. And of course, throughout that process, the investment banker, like all good ones do say, you know, if you mind if we look under the hood of Fastlane a little bit. So <laughs> I let him look under the hood yep. and he came back and told me, you know, what he thought the opportunity might be worth. And again, in the beginning, I had an allergic reaction. Yeah. I said, no way. Um, you know, I love this business for all the reasons that I had just mentioned. Yeah. But like, like all things again, you know, not only was it a great financial opportunity, but I had this desire in the back of my mind that I had always thought about, uh, but never acted on really mm-hmm. aggressively. And it was, how can you serve the client better? Yeah. And so I went back to them and I said, there's really only one way I would ever consider bringing on private equity into Fastlane because I love this business. I love everybody that I work with. It's if I would get permission to buy out this little two-person team out of Fastlane and be able to go serve on the client side, right? Fastlane, you know this, Fastlane represents the franchisor and, you know, broker and referral groups oftentimes represent the clients. And I had an idea similar to when Fastlane was founded. I had this idea of how representing clients could be done differently. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd like to think better, uh, you know, I think there's a debate that could be made on on what's best, but I knew that we could do it differently. And so as we went through that process, we got permission, they said, go ahead. And I I promise I'll wrap this up. Sorry, I know I'm taking a long time. No, you're good, this is what it's about, yeah. Right at that time, so Tyler Altenhoffen was a member of Fastlane. He was uh, somebody that, that joined me in this, and we were reading a book called Building a Story Brand by Donald mm-hmm. Miller. Yep, I, I don't know if you've book. read it, but yep. great. Such a good book. And yep. it talks about all the stories that we love. We love them because um, there is a hero who meets a guide. The guide has some defined process they go through to get to a desired outcome, mm-hmm. right? And we're like, uh, too many, and the book talks about too many times the companies think they're the heroes, and they're not, mm, right? Yeah. The heroes are the clients. The heroes are the people that we serve because we are offering them a process to get to an outcome. Yeah. And so Tyler and I are talking, we're like, who's got the back of a hero, right? And, and we said, well, in all the movies, the people that got the back of the hero are the sidekicks. Mm. And so let's go have the back. Let's go protect the risk of the hero. And Franchise Sidekick was born. It's incredible. So you guys, obviously branding is a big thing. Did you guys hire a branding company day one to build out the brand? We did. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We, we had a sense of the name. We had a sense of what our mission statement was going to be. But, you know, some of this, this, this big logo behind and live life on your terms and some of those things that we use today. Yeah, we went out and hired a group to help us. Okay. So t- let's, let's work, work through the, the fast lane process and, and kind of the scalable model. So you guys started... Was it Carrie was just doing sales to start? You were doing vision and it was just you two or did you bring on a staff right away? No, yeah, it was just us two. So again, um, you know, I I fast forward through a ton of the story. I remember our very first office, it was funny because it was so small. If you were going to pull your chair out, you'd have to ask the other person to push theirs in, right? I mean, it was really tiny. Yeah, we were only yeah. there a short amount of time. But even though we just, uh, you know, I had just come off of the private equ- equity exit at Complete Nutrition, I wanted to run this thing as if any other new entrepreneur was going to do it. I wanted to stay hungry. I wanted to run it on shoestring. I wanted to go validate that it was going to work before yes. we really kind of ramped up. And so we started very small, just the two of us. We quickly realized that the business was going to be bigger than what the two of us were going to uh, be able to handle. And so we went out and just started to hire, moved into a bigger office. But um, you know, I, I don't want to. I don't want to diminish all the work that went into it. We had to knock on a lot of doors mm-hmm. before we got franchisors to say yes to us. But once we did, we realized that formula that we had created was going to work really well. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing, right? Is finding good brands. Is that? Would you say that's the number one thing? Is partnering with good brands that have a good team and can scale. Yeah, that's one A. One B, of course, again, is having those great people focused on their individual process. But one yep. A is great brands. And again, I felt, and now it's much different today. I felt back then there probably wasn't enough emphasis put on saying no to the brands that you knew weren't going to be able to grow mm-hmm. and scale. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So year by year growth. So you start in 2018, 
And then um, January 1st, 2017, January 1st, 2017. Okay. And what was the year by year growth? Like people revenue, you know, and then where did you guys get to when you exited? Oh man, yeah, you're going. You're going right for the uh, the juicy stuff, aren't you? Um, <laughs> I don't know if you can say it, but you know, I don't even know if I can say it. I probably can't get into all the details just because, uh, you know, the, the the private equity partnership. Yes, but I will yeah. tell you that uh, today, um, Fastlane, uh, or last year, 2023, they awarded 1,950 franchise locations. Wow. They made an acquisition of RainTree that I think is around another 400 and change. Yep. You know, so if you combine the two of them, I think they're somewhere in the ballpark of 23 or 2,400 yep. franchise locations a year. It's incredible. Um, you're, I, I don't even remember the actual growth. I'll just tell you that it was absolutely a hockey stick, right? I mean, again, nothing in the beginning until we got franchisors to join us. And then, yeah, I wish I could remember the, yeah. the year over year revenue. Yeah. And, but today it's over 100 people. It's 23, 2400 franchise locations, largest in the country. And man, it changes a heck of a lot of lives. Not only a franchisees, but the people that are employed there and the people that are yeah. surrounded with that company. Well, and fran franchisors too. I mean, we obviously we partnered with Fastlane, and they're projecting 200, 250 territories this year. Well, when we get yeah. to that, our life is totally different. I mean, that's like a totally different stratosphere of of an organization. So, it's phenomenal what you guys did and are doing. Oh, I appreciate it. And, and I, I was even saying this to you before we begin. <clears throat> I love brands that are in your stage. You've spent all this time building out this fantastic brand, this fantastic model, mm. you know, and now you get the opportunity to go share it with people and you get teamed up with a group like Fastlane who yeah. understands what characteristics it takes to be able to support that type of growth. So, you know, you've, you've built it, they've given you the kind of certification or seal of approval and you are about to become, I think I got a piece of content that's going to come out. Honestly, it hasn't yet where I, th mm -hmm. I say, I think you guys are going to be the fastest growing franchise brand in yeah. the country next year. Wow. I hope that's okay wow. for me to say here, but I love it. I just think you, I love it. Yeah. yeah. You guys are going to roll. Yeah, no, I'm excited. And we're, um, like I mentioned, it's behind the scenes, but there is a potential PE firm interested just because we believe it's going to grow so fast. We just want to do right by our franchisees. I don't, I don't want to onboard 250, 300 territories and not be able to really invest in those franchisees. So we're excited about building out a team. We, we just hired a VP of ops, uh, some field support teams, and really kind of building that infrastructure. So we're excited. But take, take me back to Fastlane, and then we'll get into the sidekick. So what yeah. do you feel like worked so well? So like if someone wants to get into business, they're excited about starting a company, what do you think just clicked? And what do you think clicks again and again? Cause you've done it many times over clicks, uh, clicks for us or clicks for the people that we helped find franchises. No clicks for like building a company for you guys. Oh yeah. Uh, there, there's a few fundamentals for me that we applied both Fastlane and now here at sidekick. Um, number one, and I, I think I already shared it with you is you try to become the best in the world at one thing. Mm -hmm. Distraction is the killer of companies, right? I mean, when you can be extremely clear on what it is you're going to do, say no to everything that doesn't align with that and spend a minimum of five years attacking it, mm -hmm. it's almost impossible. I don't want to say impossible to fail, but if you do it really well, yeah. it, you're, you're putting yourself in a position to not only succeed, but to be seen as the leader of whatever that thing is. And oftentimes, People think that it has to be something grand. Uh, it, it can be very narrow. Yeah. Franchise Fastlane wanted to be the very best representation for next next big thing franchise brands. That was it. Mm -hmm. That's why 95% of the brands that knocked on the door, we just said, man, we love you. You're a fantastic founder. We love your brand, yep. but you don't meet the criteria X, Y, and Z, right? Yep. It's why we didn't move into other avenues like operations or marketing mm -hmm. or becoming a franchisor or any of those, th those things. We stayed super focused on that mm -hmm. one individual thing. So, you know, th that that's number one for me. Other things, of course, is pick something that you understand with people mm -hmm. that you know that can help you have a great team, let them become very focused, don't be undercapitalized, all the things yeah. that I think are just kind of, you know, out there all the time for business ownership. But the thing that is missed so often is whatever it is, define it and become the best in the world yeah. at one thing. And that is so hard because as, I mean, I'm an entrepreneur, right? And I have a thousand ideas a week and I think that's how we're wired, but it's like, you have to turn down so many opportunities because you're just focused on doing what you do and doing it to the best of your ability. So I think that's the biggest thing and where entrepreneurs go wrong is, let's say they build a $2 million business, well then they wanna add different components to their company instead of taking it from two to five, from five to 10. That's actually easier than going and starting a new industry from zero to two. I believe when you keep pouring gas on the fire and you take something from two to five to 10 and then 10 to 100, um, it's why PE firms invest in larger companies because they understand we can take this 10, 15, $20 million business and take it to 200. That's easier than taking something from zero to 15 or zero to 20.
Yeah, we, we talk here all the time about the, the rocket ship example or analogy. And what it means is, uh, if you think about a rocket ship that's going to the moon, it takes 90% of the rocket's fuel to get out of orbit, kind of like where all the satellites mm-hmm. are, right? 90% just to get out of orbit because it's so challenging to fight gravity and everything else. But once you get out of orbit to where the satellites are, it only takes 10% of your fuel to get to the moon, wow. which is significantly further away. Well, the same is true in, in business. You have to be laser focused on getting out of orbit, getting above everybody else. And then it's, it's, it's momentum. You know, it's the flywheel that just rolls on top of itself. And your momentum is going so fast now you couldn't stop it if you wanted to yeah. because you are known by everybody in the industry as the best at that one individual thing. That's right. That's right. Okay, so talk. So we kind of hit on it a little bit. Talk to me about the origin story of Sidekick and and what your guys' goal is. You know, it's it's incredible what you're doing. I don't even know how many territories you're involved in selling, but by far the fastest growing consultant in the world. Um, and then, what is your guys' goal? Do you want to sell this to private equity, or is this more of a long term thing? Yeah, great question. So let, let me start with the origin story. So you know, I had shared with you we were approached. At first, I had an allergic reaction about, you know, doing anything outside of Fastlane. But I had this desire when I really got a chance to kind of think about it. I had this desire to represent clients in a way that had never been done before. Yeah. And let me, let me just share a little bit of what that means. And so, you know, we want to help our clients reduce their risk when buying a franchise, which is super challenging. I mean, mm-hmm. inherently opening a business will always have risk. Yeah. And also the performance of that local business oftentimes comes down to the skill of the entrepreneur, the franchisee. It's, you know, the franchisor can provide you a blueprint, but the execution of that blueprint comes down to the individual business owner, right? So we're talking about how do we reduce the risk where... Yeah. I believe it fundamentally begins with the advice or the, the the people you have to help you identify the opportunity in the first place. So, you know, this industry has been around for a long time, helping clients find franchise brands. Um, and I understand why it's been around. It's mm-hmm. overwhelming. If you and I are in franchising, so it seems second nature, but I talk to friends all the time that don't realize there's 4,000 opportunities out there. Yeah. And the majority of the brand names that you know, there's no territory available for you. And if you're going to get into a resale, you're going to pay a significant amount. So where do you go? How do you find an opportunity that aligns with what you need financially, the time you want to put in, something that you could be passionate about, something mm-hmm. where a brand wants to develop your market? You can't go find those things really yeah. on your own. Yeah. Right. And so there's sort of these gatekeepers out there of franchise brokers and advisors. Well, this is very much done like real estate. In real estate, mm-hmm. you've got a parent company, take Berkshire Hathaway Real Estate. So everybody that is a real estate agent inside Berkshire Hathaway is a 1099. Mm-hmm. They're an individual business person on their own. Yeah. Now they get to they get to wave the flag of Berkshire Hathaway, but finding clients, building their trust, identifying what they want, walking them through homes, all the way through the point of getting funded and signing the agreement is done by that individual real estate agent, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And the failure rate in the real estate industry is huge and the average income of the majority of it is very low. You know, mm-hmm. we all see this the hyper success stories online, but that's the minority, mm-hmm. the, the the big minority, not the majority. Totally. And and franchise advisor, consultant, broker, whatever you want to call it, has been structured the exact same way for years where there's parent companies, you have franchise consultants. Many of them are wonderful. I worked with some that are hardworking, dedicated, educated, and I would tell my family members to go use these people to find a franchise. Yep. But again, like real estate, that's the minority. Yep. The majority of people are doing this part-time or as a side hustle, right? Which mm-hmm. this is the largest financial transaction usually in a person's life. And in order to get access yeah. to the information that you want, you've got to go online usually and say, I want to find out which of these 4,000 brands is available in my market and meets my criteria. And in order to do that, you have to have a franchise broker usually reach yeah. out to you. Now, you don't know if that person is one of the top 1% and amazing at it or if they're the other majority that is doing it part-time or as a mm, side hustle. Yeah. So when we started Sidekick, we did it in a way where everybody on our team is an employee of the organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're also fortunate right now, all of our advisors are business owners or former business owners. So they're speaking from experience, but they're all doing this 40 hours a week. Mm. Uh, plus they're all working together. They're all collaborating. We require weekly training. And what happens is when somebody wants to buy a franchise and they work with a franchise sidekick advisor, they are working with somebody that does it full time all the time, has more clients, more at bats than 95% of anybody else in the country because of the way that we structure this. Mm. Right. And, if I was going to go buy a franchise, I want to find somebody that does it all the time. Just like I want my financial advisor to do it all the time. Just like if I'm going to have surgery, I don't want to have a surgeon that does it as a side hustle. Right? Yeah. These are big, important decisions, yeah. big, important things that we need people that are fully educated. So that's where we started as the number one 
difference in, in working with sidekick versus anyone else. Yeah. And I mean, this has had a hockey stick growth as well, right? I mean, you guys, how many territories did you award last year? Yeah, last year was our first full calendar year, and we helped we helped our clients buy 400 franchise locations. Um, and again, we, we started the year with four advisors. We ended the year with 11. We're now at 13. By the end of this year, uh, we believe that we will help our clients buy over 800 franchise locations. That's incredible. That's incredible. Yeah, so. And so, what is the what is the long term vision for this? What do you where do you guys want to go? What do you want to do? Do you want to be the biggest? I mean, wh- who is the biggest now? Franchise. Um, probably IFPG. I don't know exactly. It's, it's one of those two. I would imagine it's IFPG just because of the sheer volume of people that they have. I mean, again, good organization. It's the right fit for, um, certain, certain advisors. Um, and there's a, there's a tremendous number of them. So they're probably the largest today. What what do I want to do with this? So as I mentioned earlier, you know, the first business was profits. The second business was to prove myself. This business is purpose. Mm -hmm. And so I've got a goal that when I die, I hope my kids stand up and they're given my eulogy and say, dad wanted to help more people buy a franchise than anybody in history. Mm -hmm. And he did it. Mm -hmm. I hope someday my kids, maybe not all of them, but I hope they want to be involved in, in this business or this industry. Like this is something that I'm so passionate about now leaving a legacy with. I thought Fastlane might be that. Yeah. Um, and, and, and Fastlane, we were fortunate that that's, that put us in a position to do what we want, when we want with who we want, right? Living yes. life on our own terms. Yes. And this is what I want to do. I'm not a golfer. I like to do a couple of things. I like to coach my kids in their sports. Mm-hmm. I like to date my wife and travel with her. And I like to help people buy businesses, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. This is what I would rather spend my time doing. It's cold in Omaha. We need to do stuff inside, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so, you know, yeah. we've grown this in a very short amount of time. We've grown it to 30 total team members. We've grown it to, like I just said, 13 advisors, which again, when you just look at the infrastructure of that, uh, we have more people that are non-sales than our yeah. sales, where yeah. the largest the largest broker organizations in the country, they typically have less than 10 operational staff for potential hundreds of advisors. We are doing it the reverse. We make sure that our operational staff is fully supporting our advisors because here's the other difference I didn't mention for our advisors. Not only do they do it 40 hours a week, they get to focus on one thing. Mm. Every single day they show up and they've got pre-qualified franchise clients on their calendar to help them reduce their risk when buying a franchise. We build all the content, we drive all the leads, we qualify all the leads. All they have to do all day, every day, is become the best in the world at helping people identify what's the right franchise to reduce their risk. That's incredible. Uh, so, so how how do you guys generate leads? Do you do a ton of paid media, or is it referral based, affiliate based? You name it, it's a bunch. Yeah. Yep, okay. it's paid, it's referral, it's content, it's um, yeah, it's it's all kinds of things, and it has to be. It has to be that type of effort, which is tremendously expensive. It's very difficult to build the team to understand the analytics, mm-hmm. but I also recognize if we're playing this for the purpose of it, yeah. for the long-term game, it doesn't matter if we are not hyper-profitable early on because we are building the best mousetrap, in my opinion, to help somebody buy the right business, and that's gonna pay off dividends in the long run. That's right. Okay, so why? Everybody always asks the question, you've obviously sold you know, two entities, you have all the money you could want, what, why do you keep going? And I'm sure you get this question a lot, but what's, you talk about purpose. And I think a lot of people, I think two things, entrepreneurs that love the game of business end up being the most successful entrepreneurs. Elon Musk doesn't have to be doing what he's doing. Jeff Bezos didn't have to keep doing what he's doing, but they love the game. It's the hunt. It's the chase. It's the process. So that's probably part of it. But then you talked about the purpose component. So is that really why you keep keep doing what you're doing is the purpose side. It's funny you ask that because oftentimes when I say it's purpose, purpose, people are like, for real, um, tell the truth. All right. Hey, the cameras are off. Tell <laughs> That's the right. Yeah, it truly is. And I mean, we just had our <laughs> annual uh, meeting with our team last week. And one of the things I stood up and said is if you ever feel the DNA of this company is different than the things that we're saying externally, I need to be the first one to know mm. because this is a hundred. And, and again, it's, I've learned this. This isn't something that I knew when I was young in my entrepreneurial journey. I've learned that when you are truly purpose driven, that over time, you are going to become the best option for people to use. And with that comes tremendous satisfaction in your life. I know, I mean, I, I, I watch Alex Hermosi a lot and he has yep. this theory of, you know, the 85 year look back when mm-hmm. I'm 85 years old and I look back, I truly hope that I can say I helped more people buy a business than anybody in history because of how important it was to my life. Mm-hmm. The day that I left to become an anytime fitness franchisee, let's say I didn't make that decision. I would still be a highly compensated COO for very entrepreneurial people. Yep. I had yep. to take the leap. 
I had to have the, the trust in myself that I was going to be successful in order to put myself out in that position. And then I was fortunate. He called me back and said, become my partner. Mm. And then it just, it, it just, there was this, um, this continuation of, of events that happened to put me in this position. But if I never yeah. took the leap to become an entrepreneur in the first place, it wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Yeah. And you, so th this is also, I'm listening to you. I feel like a big thing great entrepreneurs do is they have big dreams and big goals, right? So you said you want to sell more franchises than anyone in history. Well, that is a massive, massive dream. And so I think too many times entrepreneurs are like, Oh, I want to build a $2 million business or a $5 million business. And they just don't set the dream big enough. So talk to me about that. I think every business you've started, it's probably grown over time, but did you always just have big dreams and big goals? No, no, no I didn't. Okay. Um, I built that muscle uh, halfway through Fastlane. Okay. Um, and, and this is when I, I still kind of remember the, the time period when it happened, because like I had mentioned, Fastlane was about proving myself. And at about year number three, we had become the largest FSO franchise sales organization in the country. And at that point I had said, I know Fastlane provides a really valuable service back to people, back to franchisors. And we've got this amazing foundation that's never going away. So what can you do with that? That's when purpose really started to become important mm -hmm. to me. Yeah. When you didn't, and, and it's, you know, it's easy uh, when, when and, and I know you're here too, when you're in a position financially where you don't have to worry about uh, the bills and the other things, mm -hmm. you get to spend a lot of time saying, what do I want my life to look like? For I sure. now am in control of that destiny. And when you really dive into it and really think about what do I want my life to look at, look like, you can start to think some pretty cool things. And you know, this, I think this might be a Hermosi thing also. I can't remember what it is, but as an organization, you have to, if you can, you make the decision to either do other things, do things other people are unwilling to do mm -hmm. or other people can't do to truly be a trailblazer and, and challenge the status quo. Well, right. here, Nobody has employed um, everybody like we're doing here. Nobody has driven all the leads because it's so expensive to figure out mm -hmm. for all of their advisors. Nobody has built the technology. We haven't even talked about that. And now we're really starting to talk about what about afterwards? What about mm -hmm. after a person buys a franchise? All the time I'm watching franchise content and people are talking about if you really want to live life on your own terms, you have to become an empire builder. You know, you got to own a bunch of franchises and do 10 million in business. That sounds fantastic, but nobody ever lays out the blueprint. Yeah, that's right. right. I rolled out a, a program last week. We're going to start it with our own internal team. And then uh, if, if all goes well, we'll eventually roll it out to our clients. It's called Life on Your Terms. Mm -hmm. And it is a step-by-step -step process I believe it takes to eventually live life on your terms. Mm -hmm. And most entrepreneurs, they look into their organization and they say, I love entrepreneurship and it's great for me, but not for any of you, right? You guys all stay here and work everything out. That's the opposite of what we're doing here. Mm -hmm. We are incentivizing our people to live life on their terms, to become business owners, to become leaders, making the majority of their compensation, managing other people. And then I will lay out step-by-step step for them what I believe it takes in order for them in probably 10, 12, 15 years, who knows how long that will take, but to eventually live life on their terms and have the same opportunities that you and I have. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so what, if you had to go back, because it seems like you've hit a lot of businesses and succeeded along the way, would you recommend someone be an entrepreneur? Like, like if you were just talking to an average person, would you say, Hey, you can do it. Or would you point more people towards the franchisee side of, of things rather than starting their own from the ground up? Yeah. For the majority of people, I would absolutely point to the franchisee side. Yeah. Um, I believe it takes a, a unique person to start something from scratch yeah. and take it all the way to whatever their goal is with that business. So it's why I love this industry. It's why I say I want to help more people find the right franchise than anyone mm -hmm. in history, because I believe if a franchise is truly set up to support people, it needs to take B's, C's and D plus type of people mm -hmm. and allow them to have some level of success. You know, when a franchisor knocks on our door and says, we only can take a plus people. Yeah. That's different than saying we only want A plus people. Mm -hmm. Wanting and needing are different. If you need A plus people, we will not represent you because that's a small percentage of the population. That's right. But if you tell me you have a system and a brand that can support the B, C's and the D pluses mm -hmm. in, in some respects, then we feel really excited about that model. Yeah. But the, the best advice of anybody is always what do they do themselves and what do they recommend to the people they love? And I talk to my kids all the time. Yep. I hope they become entrepreneurs. That's truly my wish for them yep. is to become entrepreneurs because I know what it can do for their life. That's right. That's right. And you know, what's funny is so you probably heard of Premier Pools. They did everything in-house, right? But um, I talked to the owner quite a bit and they built a $750 million brand. Um, it's incredible. But he, he always says the same thing. He's like, you know, we have firefighters, we have police 
police officers. We have accountants and all kinds of different people that weren't necessarily entrepreneurial and don't necessarily have the talent to be an A plus entrepreneur, but we've built a robust system to support them and train them and onboard them and support them in the field so they can grow their business. And I think that speaks to the franchisor. If you have a great system, it shouldn't be that hard. Obviously, every business is different, but and every business is hard. But if you have a great system, that's why people are buying into a franchise concept so they can start on second base and they don't have to start on you know home plate. You know, I believe in that. That's what I've dedicated my entire professional life to. That's right. And, and, and we talk about a concept called weld. Like if you think about welding two pieces of metal together, when they come together, they're stronger, right? Mm. And so when you take entrepreneurship and you take franchising together, they're stronger. And what weld means to us is the benefits of entrepreneurship. W is for write-offs, right? As a business owner, you get a write-off a lot of things. Mm -hmm. E is for exit value. The most important financial event of an entrepreneur's life is the exit, yeah. right? L is lower taxes, right? Capital gains taxes are much lower than ordinary income. And D, depreciation. So when you can weld mm -hmm. those four key components of entrepreneurship with the blueprint of a franchise, like you said, you're starting on second base. That's right. That's right. Okay, so what is... Um do, do you guys, we talked about it a little bit. This is more purposeful. You want to be the largest. Uh, so this is more of a long-term play, I guess, is what I'm getting at, right? You're not, you're not really trying to turn this one like you did with complete nutrition and fast lane and sell it. You're more thinking and, and who's, you might raise private equity at some point, but you're more thinking long-term with this business. Exactly right. And, yeah. I, you know, I, I'll never say never because um, things are always you never know what your own personal health situation will be or whatever mm -hmm. else. But my hope for this business is that it is still part of my family the day that I die. Yeah. And it's because my passion for it. I am on fire for it today. I've got a tremendous amount of passion. I can't imagine doing other things. Mm -hmm. And based on the experience, we've set it up in a way where this team, the leadership team and everybody that works here is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. I could walk away from this business for a year tomorrow and I don't think there would be much of an interruption, right? And so this defines, this gives purpose to me in my life, which I feel is one of the most important things for somebody to have a high quality of life. Why, why do you still think you have that fire? I think a lot of people lose it after they, you know, you've sold a couple companies. What, what do you think is the, the reason behind that? Probably ignorance. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what else I would do. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I truly don't know what else I would do. And, and again, yeah. I, I love the idea of seeing an opportunity and then identifying if it can work. I mean, again, mm -hmm. in that meeting we had with the team last, last week, I thanked all of them because they were taking a risk on this company mm -hmm. up until this point. Up until yeah. this year, I was kind of like, I think it's going to work, but I don't 100% know, right? Mm -hmm. Now I know it's going to work, yeah. right? Yeah. And so now I'm like, thank you. You know, we're helping people overcome fear every day to become a franchisee, but you also had to overcome some level of fear and risk in your own life yeah. to take a job at a startup. Yeah. And so now <clears throat> I just feel really on fire for the foundation that we've built and what we'll be eventually able to create with it. Yeah. So do, do, have you had any failures along the way, like businesses that have failed or you've been kind of one of the stories where m most things have clicked and worked? Knock on wood. Yeah. Um, <laughs> most things have, you know, yeah. I've made plenty of mistakes. So, you know, the definition of work, I've had lots of challenges inside the businesses. I've yeah. had peaks and valleys that I've had to overcome. I mean, ne never to the point where I've had to like shut something down or close it and it doesn't work. Everything that we've put our time and, uh, and energy into, we've been able to sell or, or operate. Mm -hmm. um, but I made plenty of bad investments. I mean, uh, on other people who I thought would have the same desire or passion or skill set to go start their own business, I've invested into those people and I've had lots of train wrecks over there. So I've actually changed my investment um, strategy mm. since because now if it's, if it's gonna be an entrepreneurial investment, I have to be heavily involved. Yeah. Um, but anyway, been yeah. lucky so far. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So obviously, we talked about what's what the future holds. Um, what what day to day do you do in the business? Is it more visionary? Do you still spend like a full work week working on the business? I do. Um, in in the winter, in the fall, I do. Um, in the spring, in the summer, I spend a tremendous of time coaching my kids, traveling mm -hmm. with them for for baseball, and also we. Uh, you know, we spend a lot of time in the summers out on the boat or in the water. So I don't spend as much time uh, those times of years doing these things. But any other time of the year, it's 40 hours a week. I'm doing it all day, every day. It's mm -hmm. definitely much more visionary today than it was yeah. in the past. Yeah. Um, again, even the idea of post-purchase or how we can leverage technology or other things that we can do for our clients. Mm -hmm. um, I have had to learn. It's kind of like a muscle or, or a skill that you have to learn over time is 
just like you said, you have thousands of opportunities. Many times you need to process those, process those opportunities internally mm -hmm. or with third party advisors, yep. not inside of your organization, yep. because it can start to spin an organization out. They're like, wait a minute, we've been crystal clear on what, you know, our mission is to have a client experience that helps people reduce the risk better than anyone else in the country, mm -hmm. right? Or, or the best possible option to reduce the risk. Uh, but if I were to start introducing all these opportunities, you know, regularly to the team that didn't align with that, mm -hmm. it would create confusion and distraction. Yeah. And so I have a tremendous amount of uh, ideas of what this will become, but mm -hmm. oftentimes I'm only sharing it with the highest leaders in the organization or third parties so I can keep everybody else on track. Yeah, that's huge. Because like you said, you're hiring people that are super skilled in different departments and different areas of the business. So if you introduce a whole new concept, a whole new vision, a lot of times it can derail people and they get confused. and They're like, well, this is what I was putting my whole life into. Right. And we're able as entrepreneurs to operate in this idea space where it's like, no, not every idea we're going to implement, but we can think through different ideas. Right. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, okay. So I, I end every uh, show with three questions. So if you had to define success, what would your definition be? Having a clear picture of your purpose and being able to spend your time doing it. Mm. Very clear on that. I love it. Okay. And then, and then we actually kind of hit on this, but what legacy do you want to leave behind? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a parrot on, on this uh, podcast today. I want to help more people buy a business and, or buy a franchise than anyone in history. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and I, I also, it's funny, one time somebody asked me, well, what, how many is that? And, and, you know, my answer was, I don't know the number, mm -hmm. but I'll know when I've accomplished it, when it's undeniable, yes. right? When you mm -hmm. just look at it and you're like, I don't know the number, I don't know what anybody else did, but you've been doing this so well for so long and helping so many people. Mm -hmm. We are confident that it is you. Yeah, yeah, it's like, it's an undeniable <laughs> result, right? Okay, and then the last thing, what are three skills you believe every person needs to build a successful life or business? Well, the first, uh, the first is a clear purpose, right? I'm just so passionate about the ability to have a clear purpose. Mm -hmm. I think you need to be surrounded by the right people, right? You are the average of the five people you spend the mm -hmm. most time with. Um, so that, that foundation and, um, the third one. So purpose, the right people, I guess I'm going to stick with people on that too. It's just family. Um, I mean, the fact that I know outside of work exactly who I am mm -hmm. and I do healthy things with my time outside of work allows me to be a much better entrepreneur. Yeah. I've been around other people and invited into other organizations where entrepreneurs are doing unhealthy things outside of their workplace. Yeah. And it always trickles into the workplace. It always trickles into the relationships. It's doing healthy things outside of that as well. Yeah, it overflows, right? There's buckets of life. Me, me personally, I don't know if you've seen, but I've, I've recently lost almost 100 pounds. And I was just grinding for so many hours a week, not taking care of my health. You know, I was just all in on this business. And it's like, I'm, I'm now able to do what took me 10 hours in six or seven because I'm more focused, more energetic, a better leader, a better husband, a better father, because I'm starting to take care of my health. And I think a lot of people, they go all in, especially entrepreneurs and people that are obsessive, they go all in on something and they forget the other areas of their life and they mm -hmm. neglect those yep. areas. 100%. And, and congratulations to you. I mean, you've been very courteous today asking all about me, but your success story, your uh, health journey, everything that you're doing, man, I, I think you're going to make such a huge impact on franchising uh, in, in a very short amount of time. So congratulations on what you've done. I appreciate that, Ryan. Man, thanks for being on the show. It's been a pleasure. I look forward to seeing you accomplish those goals. Appreciate it. Same to you. Awesome, man. Thanks, Ryan.